Welcome to Offkey, a member and labs podcast about the music industry for the industry novice. I'm your host, Talia Seidman Wright. This season of Offkey will be taking a turn down a new path, moving on from the who question towards the how to. My hope is that this season will act as a music industry 101, providing accessible information for industry newcomers like myself who are interested in building an understanding of how to earn money and achieve success as a creator in Canada's music industry. Join me as I learn about the ins and outs of the music industry from the perspective of two key players in the creation of music, the songwriter and the recording artist. Through research and conversations with music professionals, I'll explore how these creators make money and who and what they should be aware of as they build careers in the ever-evolving music business landscape. This week, I decided to feature an interview that I found particularly helpful and engaging. I had the pleasure of speaking with Matteo Palmasano, a writer, recording and mixing engineer, producer, composer, and music production educator who has over a decade of experience working on both the recording side and the composition side of music across North America and beyond. Matteo's commitment to creating accessible educational content aligns so well with the goal of Offkey, so I decided it would be fitting to feature his interview as its own episode. After listening, be sure to check out Matteo's YouTube channel and Instagram for tutorials on music production. There are links to both in the description for this episode, along with some other resources. For listeners in Toronto, Matteo has a six-part workshop series coming up at the Richview Toronto Public Library that is totally free and open to anyone. The first one is on November 12th, so make sure you register through the Toronto Public Library website. You'll learn how to use a digital audio workstation, as well as how to produce, record, mix, and master your own music, and how to distribute and market your record. In our conversation, Matteo shared a bit of expertise on each of these topics, as well as his own personal background on how he came to music, his experience producing and composing for other artists, and his overall advice for an industry newcomer. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. Let's get right into it. Oh my god. I, I'm like... I'm like an old man, one of those people that like, it's like, I have a story for everything. Like, I'll just go on like, yeah. So please feel free to cut me off. Just be like, Mateo, shut up. You're (laughs) talking way too much. Uh, (laughs) um, Okay. So I started out, um, I've always wanted to, I actually didn't pick up my first instrument until I was 17. I started really late. Um, That's comforting. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like it should be for a lot of people. I started, I picked up my first instrument when I was 17 and it was because uh, I'm a child of immigrants and uh, my children, uh, my, my parents didn't want their child to be an artist. Um, So I never got into the arts at all, uh, which is really uh, funny considering my father growing up was a poet, a screenwriter, a director, an actor. Wow. Uh, yeah. And and my mother's mother, my grandmother, um, was also um, a, a theater actress. Wow. So, um, and my father was obsessed with music. Like, he loved music growing up. And uh, he actually had a scholarship mm-hmm. to um, go to the U.S. to study, act- um, actually, sorry, directing. Um, and so my parents came from Argentina and, um, uh, my parents were super young. I think my father was like 25 and my mother was 20 and they left. Um, they're just like, let's just go, you know, they wanted a better life and my father wanted to pursue directing. Mm -hmm. So he unfortunately got denied entrance into the country though. 
despite the um, the scholarship. Right. Um, and they didn't want to go back home because they already said bye to everyone. And my father's a very prideful person, so he didn't want to go back. Yeah. Uh, pride's a huge issue with right. him. So um, he was devastated by the experience. Yeah. And he, so he came, to, my, my parents came to Canada and um, he gave up acting and writing and was very wow. bitter about the experience. Got into construction and then... Um, eventually started his own business and now he's like he's done very well for himself he's a serial entrepreneur wow. and yeah cool. yeah uh, owns a bunch of businesses now yeah. um but like the arts was never an option for me he's like you'll never do right. it you can never make it it's it's like he was extremely discouraging mm -hmm. um wow yeah so i i just it wasn't an option for me right you know um yeah. So I'd always wanted to learn uh, how to play an instrument. So when I was 17 in high school, um, a friend of mine was in a punk band and he's like, uh, I need a guitarist. And I'm like, well, I've always wanted to learn guitar. He's like, great. We play punk music. It's easy. You just like learn these three chords and that's it. I was like, okay, great. That sounds pretty straightforward. Um, and I was like, you know, my focus was going to be that I'm going to either become an engineer or a mathematician. Mm. Like math was something that I was always really good at growing up. I was right. always in advanced placement and stuff like that. And I was just like- Yeah, I've heard that going hand in hand with music. Yeah, so what happened was when I, the uh, the first day that I started learning guitar, I was like doing all this research, learning about like uh, guitar tabs and like how mm. to figure out all the fingering for the chords mm -hmm. and things. And I'm like, all of these are just like very, like a lot of these are repetitive shapes. Right. And I was like, oh, this looks really easy. And like, in my first week, I'd written like 20 songs. And wow. yeah, I like, uh, so when I got together with my buddy the next week, he's like, so how's the guitar playing coming out? I was like, great, I've, I've written like 20 songs. He's like, what? Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, music is like really easy. It's all based on like, you know, repetition and like, um, like, I mean, frequencies, like octaves are just um, multiples of each, like of frequencies and stuff, like all this stuff. I was like making all these correlations to Matthew's like, I don't know what you just said, but like play me some of this stuff and I'm playing all this stuff for him and like within like a f like a few months I was playing like everything from like Eric Clapton to Jimi Hendrix on guitar and wow yeah I just became really obsessed with it because it's like you know I I love math <clears throat> but not everyone else does mm -hmm. a lot of people are like oh I hate math but yeah. it's because they feel like they don't understand it right and the thing that I loved about music was like this this is a representation of math that people actually appreciate. Right. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. So yeah. even if they don't actively think that it's math mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with it and I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. You know, I was wow. 17. I like decide not to go to college university for, mm -hmm. for engineering. And, um, I, yeah, uh, my parents were super disappointed and <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was homeless and, uh, uh, I was just like, I'm just going to figure out how to make yeah. the money to go to school for music. And so I got an internship at a studio and I was really lucky that it turned out that the studio that I interned for was affiliated with Aftermath Records. Wow. Yeah. So the first project I ever worked on was 50 Cent's first record. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I was just really lucky. <laughs> what? I know. I was, I was working. I was working a summer job and I'm looking online back in like 2003. 2004 so yeah 2003 2004 where was this yeah so I was working um uh at, like I was working out, out of 
uh, Woodbridge, Kleinberg area. Okay. Uh, and the studio just happened to have been in Kleinberg. It was, it, they like bought a mansion and they converted the first floor of the mansion into a studio. So it was like the kitchen Ow. and the studio. And then there were three floors above that where um, everyone just lived in. And so... I like saw this um, this posting online. They're like looking for interns at a studio. I had no idea what studio it was. Nothing. I was like, mm-hmm. I was. I just wanted to learn how to record my own music. Right. You know. So I responded to the ad. I. They're like, great. Can you be here at like five o'clock? And I was like, sure. And I like went there mm-hmm. and I thought I was going to be interviewed. And it was literally like, here's the kitchen. There's the studio. Downstairs is like the lounge and all that. And then like upstairs is where you'll be staying with the other people. And I'm like, staying? And they're like, yeah, everyone lives here. And I'm like, That's so cool. <laughs> wow. And I was like 17. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> That's crazy. I'm like that. That works out really well because I'm basically homeless. My parents kicked me out. So that's perfect. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So um, yeah. So I I learned how to um, produce music from Joe Warlick, who was one of the original engineers and producers for Death Row. Wow. And he produced uh, an engineer for Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg, uh, oh. T- uh, Tupac. Him and his brother actually. They're like. Um, they're like hip West Coast hip hop royalty cool. when it comes to like engineers wow. and producers. Yeah, so it was really lucky. Like honestly, I, I like I always tell people I'm like super fortunate. I'm yeah. really lucky because um, like <laughs> the stuff just happens. Yeah. That being said, I mean I still had to follow through with whatever mm-hmm. I landed on. Right. right. So. I mean, I worked day and night learning how to um, cut, like, sample vinyl, learning uh, Pro Tools. They, like, gave me the manual. They're like, you need to learn how to use Pro Tools HD. I had to, like, learn how to use the recording consoles. Um, They had me playing, like, doing session guitar work. Um, so I like played guitar on on one of the in the club remixes. I know it's <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. um, so wow. and this was like this is all in a span of like three months that yeah. I was there, and I was living there, and it was like the best experience of my life. And yeah. I mean, after that, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do for yeah. like ever. Um, so yeah, that's kind of. And then from there, I was just like, okay, I'm gonna go to school for this. You know, where did you go to school? I went to Metalworks. Um, Metal so it's that? a private college in Mississauga. Oh, okay. It used to be, well, it still is a recording studio. Um, and it eventually got converted, or I guess they expanded into a uh, private college for right. music production. Cool. So, yeah, I was educated there. I learned, you know, um, it just was an add on to the stuff that I learned in studio when I was at Aftermath. And then. From there, I met um, Peter Prolesnik, who is like the producer for PJ Harvey. A oh, friend, wow. yeah, a friend introduced me to him. Yeah, and um, I didn't know of him at the time, but I knew the artist that he produced. And so he's like, "I need someone to help me out with sessions." I'm like, "Cool." So like, I started just learning from him and working out of Canterbury, which is uh, a really beautiful studio in Toronto. Um, yeah, I've heard of it. It's it's a gorgeous studio. It used to be a film scoring um, studio that um, got just converted into like a studio for everything. Yeah. So um, and and then um, yeah, uh, there was there was a bit of a hiccup <laughs> in my career early on. Um, I met someone and okay. uh, they weren't very supportive of music. Oh. Yeah. So um, that unfortunately kind of. Uh, 
played a huge part into our mm. relationship. And so the time that I was with her, I uh, unfortunately gave up music for a bit. Wow. And I, I passed up on an opportunity to um, uh, go to, uh, to L.A. with this producer to work on the um, oh, I always get them confused. It was it was the the producer uh, sorry the directors that did the Matrix. They were doing a new movie, and he was um, he was potentially going to help with the scoring. Wow! And he asked me to go with him. Cool. And that was kind of like the breaking point where she was like, "I don't want you to go." And I was just like, "Okay." Right. And then after that, I kind of like fell out of it. Right. Got a nine to five job and became miserable with my life. Well, and I guess. <laughs> an up and down thing right yeah so i was actually out of it for about three years wow uh yeah and then um a friend at work told me that he had a producer buddy that was developing an artist and um he introduced me to his buddy and uh we started working together he this guy was going to produce and i was engineering wow um but i ended up engineering a lot of it too and um this artist eventually got uh, a record deal with universal and we got picked up Cool. yeah and so I worked with Universal um, as a producer songwriter for a bit, um, and then eventually um, that led to an opportunity to work with uh, engineering artists for Sony ATV. Wow! Yeah, so cool. I was engineering a lot of demos for some of their indie artists uh, and like f- under their publishing. Right. So um, Jesse Reyes was actually one of the artists oh, that I recorded cool. her first <laughs> demo there, oh. um, and they actually asked me when she really when she relocated to Miami. Yeah. Um, they asked me if I wanted to go with her to be as uh, wow. her guitarist, and I was just like. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, how? When do I have to give you an answer? They're like, she's uh, she's leaving like within the week, and I'm like, wow, uh, <laughs> it's a big decision. Yeah, yeah, I got cold feet on that one. I didn't yeah. go. Um, and some people might listen to this and be like, you fool. And I'm like, realistically, Jesse Reyes actually didn't do anything for at least a few years. Actually, after that, right. so it, it was. It was like one of those things where like she it even took her a while to right. to get uh, momentum and stuff like that. But like, I mean, obviously she's done really great. So yeah, it's amazing. I know. I know. Cool. It's crazy. A lot of people wow. don't realize how long it takes for an artist yeah. to, you know, people are like, oh, I had one day I didn't hear about Jesse Reyes. Now the next day yeah. she's like everywhere. And it's like, you know, it wasn't overnight, you know. Yeah. And I feel like when people assume that these things were overnight, it diminishes the hard work that they that these artists put into mm-hmm. because and it's that really everyone else around them yeah exactly right. yeah. and it's and it takes years of work and uh, effort from many many people right and unfortunately people don't see that so yeah. you know they just yeah. see the success and they're just like oh i want to be a famous artist like yeah. within a few months and i'm like good luck with that yeah. <laughs> no i mean that's sort of why we're doing this podcast yeah it's like obviously we want to talk about like the monetization of music yes. but also like the roles that people don't necessarily understand or like the songwriter even like mm-hmm. we just kind of assume it's the recording artist or like it's like the artist is what we see you know yeah but absolutely. there's so many other people that are involved and yeah yeah it's not a single person effort it's so much work it's insane uh from so many people yeah you know and that's why many artists fail because they think that it's done, they think that this artist did it on their own. Right. So they try to do everything themselves and then they become so frustrated with themselves and disappointed and they're just 
they they end up be feeling defeated, right. right? Yeah, and it's heartbreaking because it's that's it, you can't do it on your own. You need support of others. It's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah, and that's interesting because like there is so much that's done. I mean, even myself, I struggle with that. Where I'm like, I need to learn music production. Yeah, I'm gonna do all of it, which mm-hmm. is kind of just like being a control freak. But also, like yeah, like yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, I get that. Yeah, do you have like recommendations for people who maybe want to connect with other people? that yeah. have skills in other th- other parts <clears throat> of music yeah absolutely i mean first off um if you're a songwriter that's what your sh- your focus should be should be your writing um if you're a musician that should be your focus your right. musicianship right. uh if you try to stretch yourself uh too far you will end up not being capable enough to do any one thing that good um yeah. <laughs> yeah and so it's important to meet other people like you know there are tons of people that are on the same level as you that are just as eager to mm-hmm. want to be successful right you know and some people don't care to be in the spotlight if you want to be in the spotlight great there are people that are happy to be in the background to help you get there because right. that for them is success totally so yeah. i mean go to meetups you know connect with people on facebook on twitter like I started my own business um, where I made I did most of my networking over Twitter. Wow. And yeah, and the majority of my business came from Twitter. Just wow. meeting people awesome. online. Yeah. Um, and I feel like nowadays a lot of people are intimidated to go out and meet people. You know, the experience for them is like very scary, like putting yourself out there. Um, and there's a bit of a fine balance where like, you don't want to seem opportunistic to the where you're like annoying people. Yeah. Um, but you also don't not want to put yourself out there. Yeah, it's definitely a hard balance. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and and at what point is too much too much, right? Like, you know, it's so it, it is difficult. So I mean if if you're not comfortable going out and meeting people, uh, social media is a great way to connect with people. Right. You know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like, Facebook has tons of groups that you yeah. can connect with people online. Um, and, yeah, I've gone to tons of meetups where I've met people. Like, some of my best, uh, like, some of my longest uh, business partnerships are with people that I met through meetups. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. So, um, yeah, what I would recommend is um, if you're a songwriter and you want someone to help you with, uh, production, recording, things like that, so you can get demos out. Um, go to networking events where there are producers or engineers. You know, like if you if you're a songwriter and you go to a songwriting meetup, then it's kind of like, well, you're bringing sand to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to co-write, I guess. Yes, but, that's... but I mean, if you're looking for someone to help you yeah. record, then mm-hmm. you know, a songwriting mm-hmm. meetup is probably not the best place. Right. Although it, 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 like, yeah, of course, if you're looking for co-writers, then it's a great place yeah. to go. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're a songwriter, you want to find an engineer producer, go to a producer's meetup, Right. you know, and producers are also looking for songwriters. Right. So it works right. both ways. Right. Yeah. So another interviewee was telling me about producers taking like points for like composition producer points. And so like it does overlap. And then I guess you occupy so many roles. Like, do you ever find that you're doing multiple ones at once or are you sort of do you enter like mixing role or do you enter like songwriting um yeah nowadays um uh because of diminishing budgets people tend to have to do more with less money um yeah (laughs) so uh it is the way it is and um yeah i i will get hired as a mixer 
And then the artist is like, oh, by the way, you know, I'm not liking the drums on this. Can you actually mm-hmm. help me produce the drums? And I'm like, sure, but that's that's kind of like a programmer slash producer, right. uh, not a mixer. Uh, and then vice versa. Sometimes I'll be hired to produce a track, but then they'll be like, can you just mix the track too? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's good to like broaden, I guess, broaden your skills. It is if yeah. if it's your interest and if you're capable yeah. of doing it, right? right. Um, I'm one of those people that I get bored very easily. I'm like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I I get bored very easily and distracted very easily, and I'm also really lazy, so I procrastinate a lot. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> At least when I procrastinate, I want to do something educational. So, like, I'll learn new things while I'm procrastinating. Okay. That's smart. So, yeah. Okay. So, I'm very big on, like, optimizing any amount of time that I have. Right. Um, which doesn't sound like a lazy thing, but I I don't know. My, my partner's like, you're not a lazy person. I'm like, yeah, I am. If I don't have, like, a crushing, ridiculous deadline, then I'm just, like, sitting on the couch and I'm yeah. like, what's on YouTube? Oh, let me learn how to use this software. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I am interested in, like, I, I'm constantly wanting to learn new things. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's like that, which is why I usually tell people like, just pick something that you love. Like I'm, I'm a very passionate person about learning. So I, I'm always learning new things, but if you really only love songwriting or singing or playing piano, then like build that as much as possible. Right. You know, um, it ends up becoming a handicap if you end up uh, trying to do too many things. Absolutely. Like I said before, that's why a lot of artists kind of like, you know, fall on their faces because of that. Along with sharing his own personal background and advice for people trying to build careers in the industry, Matteo offered some insights into the nitty gritty of the business, explaining some key things to be aware of in publishing deals and record deals as one grows as an artist. Oh, yeah. Um, so technically, if you're a songwriter and you record your own song um, with your own money, um, you are the songwriter and the publisher. Right. Yeah. So the publisher typically is the entity that owns the music. Um like from a monetary standpoint, like the person that, like the people that typically funds the project um and a lot of times that's the record label and they tend to own the publishing so like universal will be the record label and then they have universal publishing right you like know? the arm right? yeah exactly mm-hmm. so <clears throat> so yeah so the publisher and the record label are different but in a lot of cases it's a very mutual beneficial relationship um, but as an independent artist, you are the artist, the record label, and the publisher if you're funding everything yourself. Um, and royalties are split up into uh, two halves of a pie. You've got your songwriting royalties, and then the other half is your publishing. So again, if you funded your own music, then you own the entire pie. Right. If you didn't fund your own music, then you only own half the pie, which is technically 100% of the writing. Right. Yeah. So it's and is that like (laughs) that's typical for all publishing deals that you would that it would be like the publisher takes fifty percent or no the publisher takes a hundred percent of publishing of publish but like publishing is is Is, always fifty percent it's fifty percent of the overall royalties yes yeah yeah yeah. so songwriter and publishing 
um, they're two halves of your royalties. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the songwriter will typically own the songwriting, and mm-hmm. the publisher, whoever paid for the uh, the music, um, will own the publishing. Um, but um, here's the thing: um, there are things that may be written on paper that, like, you know, generally the songwriter is the owner of the songwriter, right. uh, song, uh, the music. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, typically, songwriters will own the music, and then that's great in a in an ideal world. But that's not always the case. The thing with this industry is you can essentially make up any terms that you're willing to agree to. So. Um, Anyone listening to this, please do not believe that there is one set agreement because there isn't. Um, you know, if someone tells you the songwriter always owns the songwriting, they're wrong. Um, it's it's up to the songwriter whether they want to keep those rights or or sell off a portion or all of it, right. uh, which is very common in this industry. And you know, some songwriters that may not have been working in this industry that long would think to themselves, why would you ever give up your songwriting? Well, 100% of nothing is still nothing. (laughs) So if you have an opportunity to write a song for Lady Gaga, um, you know, she'll claim songwriting credit, even though she didn't write the song. um, And you'll get a lesser percentage for writing a song for her. But the trade-off is you end up making a percentage of millions of dollars. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) So the performer would take some of the publishing credit again it depends on the agreement that's why there's no sense yeah technically it's not supposed to but if someone's like hey do you want an opportunity to write a song for lady gaga or beyonce or whatever and they're like but you're only going to get like 20 percent of your songwriting credit the rest is going to them Wow. Yeah, and it sounds awful, but I mean, again, twenty percent of millions of dollars is better than a hundred percent of zero dollars. Right. If you were brought into write for someone like that, or maybe it's not someone that big, but like, do you know what that process would look like? Like, have you ever been brought in? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, it's usually verbal or a handshake. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Yeah. It's it's really. Um, I think the only time I've ever had to sign a contract, even when I started working with Universal or Sony ATV, is, um, yeah, I, everything was a handshake. Wow. Uh, and verbal. That's scary. Yeah, it is scary, <laughs> which I, I actually did not have a great experience when I was working for them. Right. And that was mostly because I was young and I was like, I'll take any opportunity. And I'm glad I did mm-hmm. because it opened up a lot of other doors. But um, it's really pathetic how little money I actually ever saw. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very. Interesting. Very little. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, you know, um, so, I mean, it's okay to be a little reckless when you're starting out mm-hmm. to get some doors open for you. Because, right. unfortunately, sometimes um, you will be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't always see it, uh, at face value. Like you don't always see it coming. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to trust that people, um, are good Mm -hmm. and you know, uh, that's not always the case. So, um, the only time I've ever seen contracts was when I've, um, uh, scored anything for film and TV, uh, film and TV is very business. Like I, 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 I don't think I've met the majority of people that I've ever actually worked with. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's all online. It's done through third parties, agreements, and things like that. Um, so those are the only contracts I've ever signed. Yeah. 
where I've done sh- uh, music for like shows on ABC or um, for Netflix and things like that. Like it's just, yeah. And that's like sync, sync rights or sync. Yeah, that's uh, for licensing. For licensing. Yeah. Okay. So um, any music that I've done for commercials and things like that, like, yeah, definitely contracts there. Um, right. But that's because you're working with big companies. Right. A lot of times in the music industry, you're usually working with managers and our people. It's a lot of you know, until you sit down with an exec, you're not really seeing a contract. Wow. Yeah. So so would you say that like more money, there's more opportunity for money in film? Oh, 100%. Licensing. Oh, absolutely. Because it's an, again, like I said before, um, the, the budgets in music have been shrinking over the years and budgets for film and TV are still Mm -hmm. shrinking. But the thing with music is that because it's a very, a lot of people don't always see what goes into the process of making music and also the value of an artist is not always well represented. Um, Whereas with a film, you know, you see like a lot of production, you see that it's like um, films are are distributed through cinemas all over the world, like trailers and all this stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into film and TV where it's easier for people to understand uh, the justification of the budgets. Right. Right. Uh, hmm. For for music, um, most people can only see the justification for budgets with big artists who are already successful. Right. So if you're That's an artist, yes, <laughs> I know exactly. So yeah. you really don't actually start getting that money or seeing that money until you're already famous. <laughs> it's right. like one of those things, right? Yeah. So it's like I need money so I can like produce my record and become famous. But I need to yeah. be famous before I can get more money. <laughs> yeah, catch <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, it it's uh, it's it's very different the right. amount of money that goes into music and especially indie artists in particular. You brought up the you know all the money you need to put into it. So like, if you were a recording artist wanting to put together a team, h- how much would like you'd have to pay like all these different people, Man, right? Man, this or, is going to be the biggest one? downer of a podcast. I'm just <laughs> yeah. like all. It's like I'm just telling you all these obstacles. <laughs> ah, listen, if you hear all these obstacles and you're still like, I want to do it, then this is probably for you. <laughs> um, okay, so what I said before about doing what you do and focusing on that—that's um, really important. But at a certain point, you need to start looking at the business side. And um, so, when it comes to like the technical and artistic side, I think you should just focus on what you love. Right. Um, but when it comes to business, you really have to actually hustle. And yeah. a lot of artists are like, oh, I just want to create. And you know what? I was like that for years. I'm like, I don't want to focus on business. Mm-hmm. I hate that stuff. You know, it's all boring. I made no money for years. I like, honestly, I right. worked three jobs while saving up my money. Oh yeah. I've, I've been, I've gotten used to sleeping four hours, three, four hours a night for the last like 17 years. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I've been making music for, for how old am I? Oh yeah. So like it's almost 17 years. Wow. Um, so I've gotten used to sleeping very little, working a lot, um, compromising my health and my social life, um, just so I had enough time to actually be able to, um, run a successful business. Um, and the business side is really, um, just as important as the music, because if you don't have a sustainable business, then your music is not going to get out there no matter how good it is. 
you know? And if you're not capable of building the music, then you need to find people that are, but then that still requires you to come up with money to pay those people. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, hence why I worked a lot of jobs to come up with equipment, pay for certain services, um, consulting, things like that, education. Um, all Like you really have to have a right. business. Mm-hmm. As an artist, if you're going to do it independently, you're not just an... You're not just an artist, you're a business person. Mm-hmm. The thing that I say to artists is like, don't you want to do this for a living? Right. It's like, well, yeah, but it's like an art and blow. I'm like, yes, it's an art, but you want to get paid for your art. Yeah. It's your hard work. Like, I put my heart and soul into my projects. Like, yeah. I love the work that I do. Yeah. And I would love to work with more artists, but. I mean, I can't rely on royalty checks coming in if if these yeah. people aren't serious about their own craft. Right. You know, you might be a, like, it's it's heartbreaking. I've worked with some people that are brilliant songwriters that mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, you are incredible. Like yeah. your music is insane, and I wish people would have the the get the joy to listen to your music, but they never will because you don't know how to manage yourself. Yeah. You just like no right. no one will hear your music because you don't know how to market yourself. You don't yeah. know how to get yourself out there to shows. You don't know how to how to you don't you don't want to understand how um distribution works. How yeah. like it's like, "Oh, I don't want to bother with this." I'm like, "Well, no one's ever going to get to hear your music." Yeah. You know, your friends and family and that's about it. Like yeah. it's it's I and it sounds so harsh and but no, it's but it, it is I mean it's, that's the industry right like if you are not prepared it's gonna make you fall on your face yeah <laughs> like most of the artists that I work with now are unfortunately mm-hmm. American or European artists right because a lot like I said like I a lot of artists here just want to collaborate and I've worked on so many projects for so like I said I've been doing this for seventeen yeah. years the first ten years of my career I made no money right yeah. And that was because I was quote unquote collaborating. Right. You know? Yeah, I find that in Toronto too. It's like hard to find out or to hard to figure out like who would be a good fit for you. Because everyone, there's a lot of people who like talk the talk and like. Yes, absolutely. And like, yeah, I don't know. Or like people will be like, let's jam. And then you're like, oh, this is not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not exactly. Yeah. Because you're very good at like saying no as well as like taking yeah. opportunities. Absolutely. I, I agree. And and to be fair, there are a lot of people that are just business minded and they're opportunistic and they just want they right. they want to hustle you for opportunities. And that's really frustrating. And yeah. I, I try not to ever come off like that because that's not how I am. Like, yeah, I started out as an artist. Yeah. But I got to a point where I was like, I am sick of living off of scrambled eggs and rice and yeah. bread and yeah. or having choose to be having to choose between toilet paper or food today. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, like I, I, I struggled a long time. Yeah. You know, and it got to the point where I was like, OK, I, I have to be thinking of this as a business. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I want to do this for a living. Right. Yeah. So... That's tough, man. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got the artist, the music, you yourself, right? Um, and then you need someone that does marketing, um, someone who, uh, uh, someone like an agent who can uh, talk with uh, venues to help get you gigs, um, any sort of like live uh, opportunities, mm-hmm. a manager to help with um 
organizing your expenses, how to budget yourself, um, organizing with studios, producers, engineers, things like that. Like, wow. Yeah. You, you have to have a record label. Yeah. Yeah. You have, so, so you would say like, it makes sense to eventually strive for a record deal. Yes. Yeah. But, um, what I'm, what I'm saying when, when I say you have to have a record label, I mean, you have to have your own record label essentially. Right. Uh, whether you're doing it solo or signed to a record label, like if you don't have a record label, then you have to make your own where you have to have the marketing department, the legal department, your the manager, the right. agent, like cover all your bases. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, when you're starting out, if you don't have the money for all that, then you have to do a lot of that on your own. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you'll probably end up buying a lot of books to learn how to do that <laughs> right. stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it, it is uh, a multi-pronged plan where you do have to juggle a lot of the business side and some right. days it'll feel like you're doing all business and no art. Right. And it's and it becomes very frustrating. Yeah. And then it might get to a point where you're like, I don't remember the last time I wrote a song. Right. And then you might be like, is this worth it? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious, yeah. you know, no, and yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've had that conversation with myself tons of times. Yeah. It got to the point where I was just like, I'm so, I'm working so much on the business side. I don't feel like I'm creating much. Right. You Which know? is maybe why a label would help if you, like, oh, absolutely. Later, right? Because then you can sort of focus. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. But uh, getting a record deal is a great thing um, sometimes. So what would you say you should be on the lookout for with a record deal? Well, with any sort of negotiation, um, actually, first off, you need to have leverage in order for there to be a negotiation. Right. So what would that? So leverage would be essentially you already having a successful business. Like a following and like... Exactly. Record sales, tours, uh, international tours, um, music videos, um, yeah, fan base, Mm -hmm. um, social media presence, um, you already need to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are like, well, I need a record label to be successful. It's like, mm, not anymore. Right. Um, and you're less likely to get a fair record deal if you don't have any of those things. Mm-hmm. So if you, ha- if you don't have all of those things or the, most of those things, then you're not bringing much to the table when right. you're negotiating a record deal. Yeah. Because the record company will just be like, well, we're just you know, you should be happy that we're even offering this to you. If they don't feel like you're a good investment, then they're not going to give you that good of a deal. Right. You know, and some like a lot of record labels um, may put out, um, they'll, they'll offer a lot of deals where they don't have a lot of liability, where like they won't even give you money. You know, they might give you some marketing, some distribution, but they won't give you money to produce your record because they don't want to actually invest in it. And they won't start doing the marketing and the the distribution until you actually come up with anything. So it's an investment with a very low risk for them. But a lot of expectation. Absolutely. All the expectations on you with them not really actually giving you much until you've actually produced the content. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Again, this is an investment. Mm -hmm. So if someone's investing in you, um, you have to pay them back, right? It's a mm-hmm. loan. Right. If, if you take out a mortgage for a house, you're not getting that money. Like you don't, as soon as you get the, yeah. the mortgage, you don't just own the house anymore. The, the bank owns the house. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with, uh, with an album. Okay. You know, look at the record label as the bank giving you a mortgage for a house. Your album is the house and you don't own that house until you fully paid mm-hmm. back 
the the, the label. Right. Um, and they will take all your money uh, or whatever is agreed upon. Um, you know, if you're fortunate enough, you can work it out that maybe you get a percentage mm-hmm. while they like a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. I mean, like minuscule <laughs> right. until they they get back all their money. Right. And there are different arrangements, too. I that's more like on the legal side. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have all no, the knowledge there, but okay. yeah, um, you have to pay them back before yeah. you actually get any real money for yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you don't sell enough, then you never get any money. Would you owe them? No. Money? So um, uh, after a certain point, uh, whatever agreed upon term that you have in your contract with the label, mm-hmm. um, they will just consider you a loss. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you might get like $200,000 uh, advance, mm-hmm. um, but you don't get to manage that money. Mm-hmm. So if you got $200,000 for for your advance, that money has to go to um, actually paying the record, all the people involved, the marketing, the distribution. Like the majors will give you distribution, but not for free. They just mm. give you the channels to distribute through them. You still have to actually pay for it. Okay. So yeah. most of your money is gone. <laughs> yeah. And would that also imply like if they're giving you the money for like marketing and promotion mm-hmm. and stuff, um, would that imply like less creative control? Like would they have more say in like say how your album was marketed? Absolutely. Yeah. Because they're giving you the money, right? Yeah. So I mean, I, like I know people are just like, oh, record labels are evil and blow. I'm like, you accepted the money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's not play dumb here, right? right. I mean, you accepted it. I mean, yeah. You know, no one. Yeah, sure. You can, And listen, there are a lot of shady people in this industry, a yeah. lot of sketchy deals. You know, it isn't like the onus is completely on you. But at the end of the day, you said yes. Yeah. Like if you've signed that contract. Yes, exactly. You can say no to it. If, exactly. Yeah. You can say no right. to it. Right. But most people won't. Right. Yeah. They want that opportunity. But don't be mad at the the label for that. Like you agreed to it. Right. And it's just and it's like working a job, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. you have to work your way up and then eventually one day you you may have the ability and the influence mm-hmm. to work at a deal that's more in your favor than in the label's favor. And right. that's once you have more leverage. Exactly. Okay. And that's a, that's what everyone should strive to. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, like when I hear artists that are like, oh, you know, this isn't fair. I They can't do this to me. Blah, I'm you know, I deserve more. I deserve this. I deserve that. I'm like, you don't deserve anything. You're not successful. You don't have a track record. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I don't mean to be harsh, but like, like how yeah. much work have you put into this? Yeah. What have you done? Right. You know, so yeah. it is kind of like paying your dues, uh, right. unfortunately, and it's not great, um, but it's an opportunity. Mm. And it, yeah. Yeah. And would you say like the advances would increase as you became? That depends on what you want. Sometimes you can leverage the advance um, to get certain privileges. Oh. So say like, say if you want to own more of um, a certain aspect, like. Right. Okay. Like, for example, a lot of record labels now want to take earnings off your tours. Okay. You know, so they want to take money from your tours, your merchandise and all that. Right. So you would say, okay, listen, 
my first record did really well. Uh, we're projected to do really well, uh, mm-hmm. even better on my second record. I'm not going to take as much money up front this time mm-hmm. um, uh, if you don't take as much uh, as high percentage on my earnings from my tours and merchandise. Right. You know, so you can start right. leveraging like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's uh, a, a really important thing to mm-hmm. kind of be aware of as your career is advancing. Because mm-hmm. if you keep taking the big advances... You know, everyone is just like, I want that money now, you know, so I can do whatever I want. But then in the long run, you know, that means you might be earning less. Right. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I don't want to take your million dollar advance. I'll take 250,000, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then that means you recoup faster. You'll see your royalties sooner and you can go. And because you did that, you may be able to negotiate better rates on receiving more money from your tours, your merchandise Mm -hmm. and even record sales. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. So that's that's when you can start leveraging. Beyond the business side of things, we also looked at the creative side and discuss the accessible technological tools we now have at our disposal that can help artists learn and create music on their own. Right, yeah. Um, Okay, so, uh, I mean, as time goes on, you should be improving your songwriting and your mm-hmm. your musicianship over time regardless but um i find that technology helps to inspire me sometimes when i get like a new like toy like a yeah. new software yeah. or a new piece of gear i want to play with it and right. so i'll end up you know um creating something new with that new piece of software or mm-hmm. hardware um so i find i find my relationship in the studio as an inspiration um but that's also because of my competency with that stuff. Right. And my sure. proficiency. Yeah. Um, a lot of artists sometimes feel overwhelmed if they're mm-hmm. not, <laughs> yeah, if they're not yeah. technically savvy with yeah. those things. Yeah. And so it ends up becoming frustrating or cumbersome to work with those new things. You know, if you get a new software that you think is going to help you do something and then it takes you like two days to figure out how it works, yeah. then that's not very productive to the songwriting process. Right. So I think it depends on your competency and also how much you're willing to learn something mm-hmm. new. That's another mm-hmm. thing. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it can work go both ways for people. Um, you know, before I got into production, I used to get really excited just playing with a new guitar or yeah. a new piano. Yeah. Right. And that would inspire me. Totally. You know, so yeah. now things have gotten more technical and now I just get inspired by different tools. You know, they're right. still part of my writing process Mm -hmm. um and and it's there are a lot of tools that have helped to make the songwriting process easier Mm -hmm. um like i teach uh i teach a workshop um for songwriters and one of the things that i've shown them is like their software that now helps you um, fill in kind of gaps in your music where you can yeah, well I mean it's a bit misleading but like it, it they're like writing tools oh man what's this oh, god I'm so bad with words and names uh, <laughs> uh, Odyssey is a songwriting tool oh. um, it has like every key and chord progression that you could think of okay uh, like in scales and and everything yeah. like that and it allows you to use up to, I think, four or five different instruments. Hmm. So like piano, bass, drums, um, and then like two other things right. for like melody and, and, and things like that. And then 
it'll it'll ask you like what key do you want this song in right what tempo and then it'll give you like styles that you can choose from and it helps to like give inspiration like i i have to um uh like i sometimes have to write maybe like 30 songs in a week and for what (laughs) uh i work with a couple publishing companies um where we do um music for audiobooks and stuff like that cool uh or if like uh, like I just scored a film and um, right. I, I'm i so I'm not classically trained I'm just mm, yeah. really uh, I guess I'm okay with my ears so like for me like I'm I can hear music in my head and I'm pretty good at playing it right um, so I had to score an hour and 40 minute film in 10 days wow. which was nuts and I would say about a third of the movie was score which is also a lot wow. yeah, yeah. Um, so (laughs) it was, I, I, I scored, I did 112 hours of scoring in 10 days. (laughs) I I didn't sleep for a few days. So did they like approach you with a deal and then they were like, we need this done in 10 days or? No, they, they approached me, they approached us uh, because I was hired by someone else to help them with this. They approached us five weeks before the deadline. Okay. But they didn't get me the music reference references until 10 days before it was due. Oh. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was a nightmare of a project. Wow. I mean, I'm happy I got to do it. Um, but it was not only just, it, it wasn't only just that I had to fill all that music. It was also the fact that they wanted like Danny Elfman style compositions, right. which is like cla- like Nightmare Before Christmas, oh, yeah. Shawshank Redemption, like classical. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm just like, uh, you should be hiring like a proper class. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm learning like classical music while doing that. Wow. <laughs> so, and and they're just like, wow, this stuff is really great. And I'm really, I haven't slept in three days. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, right. So I, I'm, I'm, I've always been really good at just writing a lot of music. And mm-hmm. I, sometimes I'm just like, I wish there were tools that would help with this. And there are. There are yeah. And uh, I mean, I've tried Odyssey, but I just, for me, it's actually slower for me to try to figure out how to use how it. How to use it than just... Well, not to figure out how to use it, but just like, oh, let's try this rhythm. Mm. Let's try that one. Let's try this style. And I'm just like, I could have written three songs in the amount of time that I was looking. Right. Whereas like for other people that aren't as proficient with writing, yeah. they like, like I, I can easily write three to six songs in a day. Wow. Yeah. Um, maybe not six. Like three to four songs. Okay, let's say three to four. Reasonably. Um, but other people take like a week or a month to write one song. Yeah. You know? For sure. But it's just kind of the work that I've had to do. Yeah. Right? It's what I'm expected. And you've practiced it, right? So you're... I do. Yeah. yeah. Di- like, it's repetition, right? So like, the yeah. more you do it, the more the more easily it comes to you, yeah. right? You can start recalling like, okay, I, they, I want something this style, uh, kind of reminiscent of this. I know how this works and blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so like, I just, you know, I, it's easy for me to put that stuff right. together. Whereas for other people, like a program like Odyssey is great because they're mm-hmm. just like, oh my God, I've got like... Because even if they're not going to use it to write their music like they're not going to use that they can use it as a reference and yeah, then bring sure. to like a producer yeah. like here you go this is kind of the song that i want i recorded my vocals on this can you like work with this yeah and you can yeah and sure. it's like so technology has empowered songwriters in such a way that um we haven't had before you yeah. know and every day there's more and more stuff like this you've got loop libraries yeah. like i remember doing that on garage band when i was, I was yeah. like 13 with songs i wrote and it sounds like the most like canned like 
<laughs> like I don't know early 2000s pop singer songwriter stuff but it's I mean it was helpful to absolutely because <laughs> yeah you can bring yeah. that to someone yeah. and be like I want to do something like this right. can you like help me recreate this just better right <laughs> you know yeah. um so yeah lots of people have started out on GarageBand yeah. um I used to work for Apple uh, oh, as cool. one of their teachers and wow. I used to teach, um, yeah, I would teach like GarageBand and Logic to people. And cool. I, someone who, someone who I taught them how to use GarageBand. She's a DJ, and she's classically trained pianist, but wanted to learn how to be a DJ and produce. Cool. She was like one of my earlier students, and now she's like signed on a major record deal, and she's touring all the world producing music for some major artists. Wow. And she started on GarageBand. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, technology is amazing. It's incredibly enabling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, we're living the best time ever for music. Right. You know, maybe not yeah. for making money, but. Right. <laughs> wow. Well, because everything is so cheap now. Everyone's like, well, you can make music on your computer. You know, you don't need this yeah. $100 an hour studio it's anymore. True. It's true. Well, do I, honestly, for anyone listening to this, if you want to learn how to produce your own stuff, do yourself a favor and get a subscription to um, like some of those online companies that like teach you mm-hmm. courses on production. Like um, there are free uh, ones too. There are free ones, and yeah. I mean, there's YouTube. Like there's I said, YouTube, right? Yeah. Like I teach for yeah, for machine you. masters on YouTube. Uh, I have yeah. my own page as well. Um, all the all those tutorials are free, but. Even I've like looked on more specialized mm-hmm. websites right. like uh, Groove Three is a really big one, cool. um, and that one's specific to music production. So it's an cool. entire um, education platform just for music production um, and for for um, actually um, music composing and stuff like that. Wow! Uh, and then there's Mac Pro Videos as well that I think is like owned by ask.com or something oh. i think but oh, i forgot about ask.com yeah <laughs> yeah um so uh, mac pro videos is great mm-hmm. it's all um anything technical so like not just music production but like uh videography photography cool. like anything to do with like digital yeah, um but yeah. yeah yeah so all right thank you so much my pleasure Thank you to Matteo Palmasano for sitting down with me and sharing his insights. I learned so much about the industry, and I hope our listeners did too. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Off Key. Check out the description for this episode for links and resources, and to learn more about Matteo's work. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. They really help us to improve and create the best content possible for our listeners. If you have any topics that you'd like me to cover, please email me at offkey at membran.net or send me a message at either Membran Labs or Talia SW on Instagram. Thank you to Torben Witterman for creating the music used in our intro and outro and transitions. Offkey is a member of Membran Entertainment Canada, aka Membran Labs, a music services company that provides distribution and label services for Canadian artists and labels. We're also exploring ways, like with this podcast, to help all musical artists be better informed, know their rights, and ensure that they get all of the money that is rightfully owed to them. 